Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Where Are We Now, a podcast where I, Riv Correa's, get to connect, chat, and kiki with people who came into the sweet spotlight when they were children or teenagers or both even. Hi. Hello. I'm Rivka. This is another episode. I'm so excited to be here. I've been completely binge watching White Lotus um, for the last 24 hours. And it is uh, written by Mike White, who actually wrote School of Rock, which is one of the many credits of today's guest. Um, Today's guest, holy, holy moly, the credits. I mean, can we talk about the credits? We've got Big Daddy, we've got School of Rock, we've got Pootie Tang. Holy freaking moly. Y'all know him? Y'all love him? Please give a warm, warm, where are we now? Welcome to Cole Hawkins. Pew, 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 pew. Thank you for having me. I want to start off by saying happy birthday week to you. Thank you. Shout out to you making it another 365 days almost. But yes, happy Leo season. Yes, it is Leo season. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, uh, 29 it's the season finale of my 20s oh my god i have like two months left and yeah the countdown to 30 is so real but i'm excited to see what's on the other side of officially being old you're gonna be 30 in october libra right yes strong libra vibes yes big libra do you know what's your what's your big three (laughs) okay my big three i'm a libra sun a virgo moon and a gemini rising Virgo moons are truly the funniest people. I love that. I feel like it makes me quiet, though. I feel like in comparison to like the Libra sun and the Gemini rising, like that's the thing that holds me down and keeps me like solid. Keeps you grounded. Yeah, absolutely. Because of all that air. Oh, my God. So much air. Yeah, I'm uh, I have no aside from my Venus being in Virgo, which is probably the worst place for Virgo Mm. to be. um, (laughs) I have no air in my chart or no earth in my chart and then the rest is like fire and air and then my whole first house is in scorpio i just learned so it's like aside from my rising being like one degree into libra or whatever like yeah the rest of my first house is in scorpio so it does give me like a bit of an intense like watery moment but i'm mostly just fire and air i love i love talking astrology i feel like um a lot of people are like, oh, my God, like every episode. I love that you just like weasel a little bit of astrology into it. And I'm like, I have to. I can't not. Absolutely. I love it. I'm always with my friends like, OK, pull out the birth chart. Let's see what's going on here so we can get to know each other a little bit better. Well, can I ask, are you dating anyone right now? OK, I am not dating. I am perpetually single. I've actually never been in a relationship. I like keep to myself for the most part but I'm always open to it I feel like especially with my 20s I wanted to spend a lot of time getting to know myself before throwing myself into a relationship like relationships are out there I live in New York there are 8 million people I am bound to find somebody at some point but I feel like in order to really thrive in any interpersonal relationships you have to have a really close personal connection with yourself and I'm still working on that yes I love that I love that you've taken that time that is like that is really <laughs> admirable as somebody who like swings the opposite way where it's like, I don't know who I am without another person. Like, <laughs> or I used to not know who I was without being able to like 
mirror it off of another person. There's that Libra rising, right? Always the mirroring. But I commend you for that. That's that's truly beautiful. But I was asking because it's like, do you have any like astrology red flags? Ooh, red flags. Mm, I'm not the biggest fan of Scorpio suns. I'm not. I really am not. I, I I feel like there's a strong cutoff after October 20th. I don't want to discuss Scorpio season in the least bit. Um, I feel like that is my one and only red flag astrologically. Like I'm trying to think of any other ones. I haven't. Gemini suns are interesting people at times, <laughs> but as a Gemini rising, I'm not going to talk too much smack because that is my first house. So I will go with Scorpio suns being the no go for me for sure, hands down. Damn, 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 damn. What about you? I cannot, for dating, I don't think I could date a Capricorn just because that is my dad's sign. And I just see, I just got out of something with a Capricorn moon and like that was even too much. Like, and the rest of his chart was like pretty much Sagittarius. Like, so I think the combination of those two things were really clashing for me and I just... It was a lot. I I just, I felt like I was like assigning qualities of my dad to this person. And like, you know, that is probably more my part than (laughs) anything else. But no, I just definitely felt like my like daddy issues were like flaring up like real bad in this, in this little very quick relish that I was just in for the last month that just ended. But, you know, other than that, I, I don't like to be like, oh, I would never date a Taurus or I would never date a Pisces or whatever, because it's like, I, I have really close friendships with every sign on the chart, but it's just, I don't know. I, I don't like to diagnose people like astrologically with like certain things. But I don't know. I do always like, you know, first date, like, what's your big three? (laughs) I think that's like a thing with queer dating is like, I have to, I have to know on the first date, like what the big three is, just the big three. And maybe it's just a minor icebreaker. Just a little, little break the ice, you know? But like, now that you mention it, I actually don't think I've ever dated an Aquarius. And that might be because both of my parents are Aquariuses. So hmm, I might need to think about that a little bit more. Yeah, you know, and and my mom is a Gemini. Um, she's like a, I think a triple Gemini. Like, oh, wow. And then my two sisters are also Gemini's. So there's a lot of that energy. I cannot say I have dated any Gemini's. Although one of my best best friends in the entire world is a Gemini, and like obviously, like I have a pretty like solid relationship with my sisters who are both you know. But yeah, and then my baby brother is a Scorpio. So we've got we've got a well-rounded family like but the three Geminis plus the Leo it's just so much drama like <laughs> I just feel so bad for the boys they're my dad and my <laughs> baby brother well my dad's pretty dramatic too I think and then all of us aside from my mom are Libra rising which is, is really strange I mean like for me in terms of my family my parents are both Aquariuses I think I looked up my grandmother's birth chart and I think it's almost identical to mine, strangely enough, in a lot of areas because like her birthday is two days before mine and like we were born literally like 80, 80 some years apart. But like the similarities between the two of us, I think the main difference is she's a Scorpio moon and like I'm a Virgo moon. So like I kind of just sit back and chill and she will speak her mind at any and every moment. And I love that for her. 
I love that for her too. Scorpio, you know, Scorpio moons are are honestly one of the like I feel like Scorpio moon is such a sexy placement. Like you're just so intense and like brooding with your feelings and stuff and I that that does that does it for me. That does it for me today. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about astrology for the whole time if you want, but I do have to I do have to say like it's just been so nice being able to like catch up like on Zoom with you and with the other cast members of School of Rock and I I just I'll never forget like the first time we saw School of Rock in theaters I don't know what your experience of it watching yourself was but you have the iconic line in the movie you mean we're not in the band and every time I feel like we saw that in a new city, the audience response was just everyone going, oh, <laughs> and I was it, I just remember like being like, oh, my God, that is a really cute line. Like when I first saw it, <laughs> it was so cute. I think the thing for me is I actually don't really remember too many instances of me watching myself. I don't know why I've always had this strange feeling of like not necessarily enjoying watching myself after I've finished just like taping anything. I'm just like, okay, this is a finished product. It is what it is. I want everyone to enjoy it. But as I'm getting older, I've learned to look back and watch old films and really just appreciate them. I think like I randomly found out Pootie Tang was on Netflix and I used to hate that movie because I feel like it would always come up in conversation and people would be like, really like you had to learn an entire made-up language like what was going on with the fur jacket the leather pants and so like i never really appreciated its value but like sitting down and watching it on netflix recently i was just like you know what like this has its place in society and in the timeline of things and even though like i might not have appreciated its worth at the time like it definitely became a cult classic for a lot of people and so i feel like that's how most of the things that I were in, even if it was a TV show, one episode or School of Rock, I feel like I'm thankful for the fact that I was there to have that experience. And even if at that moment, I might not have looked at it as like a big deal, I realized it did influence a lot of people. And I'm thankful for that. Hell yeah. Yeah. I had a long period of resentment with School of Rock. I mean, that still to date is my most like, I mean, widely known credit. And I had a lot of feelings about it for a long time. But then in the last couple of years, I think it's like really the last year and a half, like I've been able to like accept it. And, and I was talking on the phone with one of my friends last night and they were like, I still haven't seen it. And I'm like, Oh, like that's, that's fine. Like people, I have a lot of people recently that are like close, close friends of mine who have like come out as like not having seen school of rock and i'm like what do you think i'm gonna like be mad at you for not seeing this and like typically their reasoning for not having seen it is like well i don't really watch kids movies like it came out a little like you know past my time and now i feel like it's too late i'm like well it is it is a timeless ageless classic but you know and then a couple other people are like i just don't really like jack black like that and i'm like oh but it's like his best work like and i'm not biased at all (laughs) but (laughs) yeah but i recently saw it at the drive-in i talked about this last episode a little bit but i saw it at the drive-in in um in la and like just watching it i haven't i hadn't seen it since um the like austin reunion and i had realized i was like i have never watched this without the cast <laughs> like i've never just like sat down and watched school of rock by myself you know because that just doesn't feel like aligned with 
my, I don't know, I feel like that would maybe be a little bit of like a self-sabotaging move for me. Or maybe not. And maybe I'll just work that out with myself and my God. But like <laughs> watching it in, in the drive-in with my friend and just remembering how much of it was just such joy to like be on set and how for so many years I just resented it so much. I felt a little bit of guilt like towards I guess my inner child, but also just in general, because it's like, I had a lot of resentment around like people approaching me and like telling me that like, you know, School of Rock was their favorite movie. And I was just like, I just want to be at school right now. Like, I don't want to fucking talk about it. But like, then watching it, I'm like, here and like being in the car with my friend and then hearing people from their cars like guffaw and just cackling at the movie and how like funny it is and you know and then also just seeing how like how timeless it is like especially like with the body positivity aspect of it with the scene with Dewey and Tamika like and how Billy's character is like, oh, I want to be the band stylist. And, and Dewey's just like, yeah, absolutely. Just go, yeah, go off, like do it, you know? And how accepting he was, like that character Dewey was of all of us. Like, it's just such a beautiful message. And, and I really do see why people like fuck with School of Rock so heavily. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, like for me, I felt the same way. I had a lot of resentment because I felt like for me, acting was just a hobby. Like the same way people were going to like the boys and girls club after school or basketball practice. Like that was just what I did after school. And when people made such a big deal out of it, I feel like they ended up with a lot of misconceived notions about who I was as a person just based off of a role. And then that made me not want to talk about it as much. But like you said, in the past year with a lot of things changing, I had to reflect back upon that time. And it made me realize like, That was one of the few moments in life now approaching 30 that I can honestly say, like, I had true peace and true happiness being on that set and being with everyone. And I miss that. And I look for that in the spaces and the environments that I put myself in now. Like, I need to be around people that give me that feeling. And I've appreciated the fact that, like, we've been able to sit down and Zoom and talk about old things, mainly because, like, I don't always remember everything that transpired. Like, I feel like there were so many things that happened in, like, a four to six month time period. But, like, we really bonded. And I think that you can see in the movie that, the bonds are actually real. And I think that's what makes it more realistic and more conveying to the audience. And to anyone who feels like they've aged out of it, I don't believe in that. Like, I believe that you can watch a movie from any era, any day, shape, age, whatever the cast is, and truly take stock in it and take something from it that can benefit you. Yeah. What's that movie for you? There are so many movies. I was actually thinking about this. I'm not 100% sure. I think I was struggling with this because when I was younger, I'm not necessarily sure if I actively saw representation of myself or things that made it easy for me to find aspects of myself. And if I think of movies that like I always go back to and I take something up, I think Jackie Brown, I will say, mm. is my movie and I think my relation to Jackie Brown probably comes from Pootie Tang because I feel like it falls into that same vein of like mock black exploitation not quite there but almost in that vein and then that takes me back to 70s movies like Shaft so like yeah I think that would be 
my choice of things that I can connect the dots on and always reference back. Hell yeah. That feels like a good place to launch into the question that I ask all the guests, which is, who is your Matilda? Who is your Matilda? I know you said you don't have like that experience of having that much, having seen that much representation, but do you, do you have like any Matildas of culture? It doesn't have to be like from a movie or from a TV show. It could be a musician or a book or, or an athlete or anything. Yeah. So actually, I think movies were a little bit more challenging for me, but I think TV shows, I can think of a couple. Um, I feel like the first time I might have seen some semblance of myself was Smart Guy, just being like the little quirky kid that's like always answering the random questions. But I didn't have a bunch of siblings. So I would say that's why that one didn't fully hit all the notes. The next two are probably cartoons, actually. I'm dating myself with this one. But as told by Ginger, I had a <gasps> character called Miranda Kilgallen and like, that was hands down my favorite character. And I feel like there was a narrative of the trope that she was like the aggressive black girl who was trying to like always push the boundaries. But I'm just like, no, you just have your strong, independent black girl who's just trying to exist and just trying to live her life. And she really cares about her friends and she's not out to get anybody, but that's all it is. Um, so I love that. And my third and final will be Huey from the Boondocks. Um, oh, my God. All three of these are stellar, stellar Matildas. Uh, Taj Mari, future, hopefully future guest. Uh, oh, my God. Miranda Kilgallen. I for- I completely forgot about As Told by Ginger, but that, that Macy Gray theme song slaps. Oh, my God. I remember she the Lice with- episode. She did what needed to be done in those 45 to 60 seconds. Like, I needed a full version of that to listen to or just bop to on a regular basis. Is that available? Is that readily? Someone wants to tell me. Oh, God, I just love her. Yes. Like, her voice and her raspiness. Like, I loved her music back in the day. I would love to hear something new from her. I know we need a we need a Macy comeback. She did she did an episode of Fuller House, which was really fun to see. Um, I try by Macy Gray is probably my favorite song of all time. Like I'm, nice. I'm not even being hyperbolic hyperbolic with that. Like that is my go to if I'm going to karaoke for the first time with like a new group of friends. Like that is my showstopper number for whatever reason. I think it's the key change and also the like the final bridge leading into that key change of the that I'm dreaming of you, man. Like that, I don't know. I just remember when I first heard that song, also, I thought that she was saying, I work doubles when you are not here um, because oh. I thought she was a waitress. I <laughs> but that is that is famously not the lyrics. I love Macy Gray. We stand. I love her. I'm an old school R&B person through and through. I love the late 90s, 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, the time for music for me at least that was like the most formative i think time that's that's the music that i go back to for comfort like anytime i'm in a moment like i have a whole playlist of songs that i'm like this song makes me feel like god is real and it's like (laughs) i try by macy gray pony by genuine oh my god i love that song i have to play that in a really long time though like i made tlc i love the girl groups tlc total destiny child brownstone everything like swv yes i've been loving watching the verses i don't know if you've seen them but like thank god for the pandemic because i think like 
either Swiss Beats and Timbaland decided to just randomly get artists together and put them on an IG live and let them play their greatest hits for like hours on it. So we've basically been getting concerts at home. But I think it's great for like me to live through the nostalgia and also for younger generations to get that experience because sometimes they're like, what is this song? Who is this? And I'm like, this is culture. This is class. And this is history. You need to know this. Mm, yeah, I, I like I recently got not recently over the last two and a half years, I've been on like a huge like Erica Badu and Outcast kick that like I had had when Bag Lady had just come out, etc. And like Stankonia and all that. I was really into that then. And then coming back to it now, I'm just like, ooh, this is like what what fed me. This is how I learned to sing was through listening to Erica and like Macy and all of the all of the greats of the nineties. Uh, early 2000s era. I wish that I was able to sing. I'm not. But I think the thing that music from that era has inspired me with and also from like being around you guys is like wanting to learn how to play my own music and express my creativity through that means. Like if it wasn't for School of Rock, I don't think I'd be able to play any instruments right now. Like I watched all of you guys playing your instruments and the fact that you like some people knew how to do it for years on end. And I was like, I want to know how to do that. And I think when we shot this scene where we were all playing music and we got to like learn how to play an instrument for a second and they gave me the triangle and I was like, okay, like this is great, but like I need a little bit more than that. And so right. like now I've been looking like, I want to learn how to play old like 90s R&B music on my saxophone. That has been like one mm -hmm. of my ultimate goals. I don't know if I need to find the sheet music or if I'm just going to have to write it myself. But, like, <gasps> but that needs to happen. You know how to play sax. That's so cool. I know how to play sax. I also know how to play the clarinet. I have an electric guitar, but like I am that hands down. That's the thing that I'm the rustiest on. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I didn't know that you you'd picked up sax and clarinet and guitar that's sick i love that i absolutely love that my my baby brother is a musical savant he's just genius and he plays like he started with saxophone and now it's like expanded where he plays like all the types of saxophones and all the keys and like he does you know clarinet and flute and piano and bass i gave him one of my basses i think he can do ukulele it's, it's just like wild to see but i feel like with instruments it's like easy once you've like gotten the like layout of one to like pick up others like right I can work my way around pretty much any string instrument that is placed in my hands that doesn't require a bow. The bow instruments, even like with cello, I like learned how to hold one for the movie. I didn't really learn how to play it, play it, but right. um, I, I can, I can fuck with it if I have enough time with it, but any wind instrument or brass instrument that is put in my hand, I can't do it. Cause I just simply don't have the breath support. Like I smoked for like, you know, since I was 14 and oh my God, I'm like still like struggling with like, you know, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore um, unless it's like a special occasion. Like I'll smoke cigarettes on set, which is so weird. Like <laughs> it's just like become the thing where it's like, I'm on set. I'm going to have a sneaky little cigarette here and there. But um, I really love my stupid little nicotine vape sticks that are probably killing me from the inside. But yeah, the breath support is like so impressive to me for anyone who's able to play like saxophone or flute or anything that requires you to breathe into it to make it make sound. 
I feel like flute was the one that always escaped me. Like you said, like I I can do any brass or woodwind instrument, but then when you get to the flute and that breath control and trying to be on point, you know, after all these years of being an adult and socializing and like you said, smoking, no, it's not no, happening. It's just not, it's not going to happen for me. And that's fine. You know, acceptance, acceptance is the answer <laughs> to all my problems. And we are going to take a quick break right here just because guess what, y'all? If you're in the Los Angeles area, my movie, Alex October, will be premiering. It's getting its world premiere, y'all, on August 28th. It's going to be at the TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood. It's a part of the Dances with Films Festival. I'm so excited to go. I just can't wait to see my face on that big screen. The movie features myself, Riv Gareas, Tara Shane, Brad Hunt, Ethan Kutkowski from Shameless, and many more talented folks. I am so excited, so excited to share this movie with the world. And you can get your tickets now by visiting alexoctobermovie.com. alexoctobermovie.com. That's A-L-E-X. O-C-T-O-B-E-R-M-O-V-I-E dot com. Come on out. Come check us out. It's going to be a hoot and a holler. Back to the show. So talk about how you got into acting. Because you said it was an after-school hobby for you. It became an after-school hobby for me. The way I remember this is I was in Old Navy on like, 18th Street and 6th Avenue shopping with my mom and I was literally just chatting up like everyone in the store and someone randomly asked like if I would be open to going on an audition and my mom looked at me and was like and asked if I wanted to do it and I was like sure and like I ended up taking headshots and I think the first thing I did was a Cheerios commercial where I needed to like memorize like the 50 capitals or whatever and then like from there I just went on from the first Cheerios commercial like I did some print things I did TV shows I did a couple episodes of Third Watch Law and Order yeah and then like I said it was an after school thing for me like I would leave school and then go to two or three auditions, go home, do homework, rinse and repeat. I think there were some times when I did slightly resent it because I feel like I missed out on some of the little childhood things. Like I would, if I was on set for a couple months, I'd come back to school. There'd be a whole bunch of new inside jokes like that I missed out on. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was a great experience. I got to meet a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. And I feel like there was a real sense of family. Like you would go on auditions and see the same kids over and over again. You'd end up going out and hanging out on the weekends and things along those lines. So I really appreciated that. Oh my God. That's, that's so cool. Like I, I know a lot of the school of rock kids, like apart from myself, Joey, Kevin and Robert, cause we were just like purely there because of the music aspect. Well, I mean, we were good actors too, but like we were there for the music of it all. But, like, a lot of y'all, like, especially the New York-based ones, like, had been similarly, like, discovered at an Old Navy or, like, at the mall or, or you know, Miranda, I know, was discovered at the mall by, like, a agency or something like that. And I just, I, I never thought that was, like, a real thing until I met you guys. And, I, and y'all were like, yeah, I, I started by, you know, getting discovered at the Gap or at the Old Navy. And I was just like, that's so wild. And of course, I grew resentment because I was just like, well, that never happened to me. But I also grew up in Chicago where it's, like, less likely that that would happen. That's so cool. They just like literally came up to you and were like, 
hey, kid, you want to be in an audition? That's that's so tight. And I love that your mom asked you if that's something you wanted to do before just being like, yes, let's do this. Was there ever a point where you were like, you know what, like, I got to take a break? That was the point that I had in high school. I feel like it became one of those things where I was like, I don't know if I can have my cake and eat it too. Like how as a teenager, can I sit here and still continue to go on auditions and take time out of my life? I think it's because I never really saw myself being in an adult acting. Like I always saw a cutoff of like me going to college and like me figuring out whatever the next step and the next plan was. So like when I did get to high school and I was going to high school in the Bronx for the first time, like I went to school in Manhattan prior to that. So I think they made it a lot easier, but I just wanted to go to track practice or I just wanted to sit around a field and like look at the clouds and chill with people. And so like, I think when I got to that point, I made a conscious decision to shift gears and boy did i shift gears because i decided to focus on the sciences and somehow i ended up spending like my first year and a half of college in chemical engineering which was a complete and utter 180 and i like after that, i worked in a lab i made paper from scratch it was not fun like literally taking pulp and making paper but then at that point i was like i'm not happy with this like i'm not satisfied with what i'm doing so i shift gears again to sociology because i really wanted to see my work or what i was doing whatever my life is actually tangibly benefiting people and so yeah i'm not saying that like my work for acting did not tangibly benefit people because it certainly probably absolutely has like someone has sat there and been like i love this this inspired me to do something along those lines but like i wanted to see myself actually doing things that i could be like i know i directly helped that person or helped with this situation oh my god i had no idea about the chemical engineering side of things where did you go to college so I actually went to Northeastern in Boston um, and I was randomly also in college with Angelo. Like we randomly like walked by each other one day and that's how we realized that we were at school together. So it was like a small world. But um, I, I didn't even know that I was going to end up in Boston or at Northeastern or in chemical engineering. It was kind of just like when I was in high school, my grandmother had cancer and I got the bright idea that, okay, yeah, like I'll just go into oncological research and this will be like something that I can make happen. And sitting in those chemical engineering classes, I realized like it was a lot more challenging than I initially thought it was. But it was also the fact that like I had some changes in circumstances around that time, like my mom passed. And so I had to really look at what I was doing with life and just be like, do you want to just make money? Which you will definitely do in engineering. You'll make a ton of money or would I rather actually be happy? And so I've been trying to focus on making sure my happiness is front and center. Mm. And what is that? How does that manifest today? How that manifests today? So I am a Bronx head. I am born and raised. I love my hometown. I think over the past four years, I spent a lot of time on my community board, just trying to work and learn about local issues. Like I've lived in the same neighborhood for most of my life, but I don't think I really had a full understanding of how things work in a society and in terms of government and how basically you're born into a situation, you're born into whatever environment you live in. But I really had to think about like how I could actively influence and change that. So that's what I try to do on a regular basis. Like I'm trying to make sure that the place that I live in is a beneficial place for future generations to just live their existence. I think it's great that like everyone wants to move to New York. This is like the 
it place to be. But like, I also feel like we have to be respective of like the culture and the lives that are already present. And I don't know if we do that in a lot of areas. So I think that's why it might be difficult for people to do that. But yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'm seeing, you know, in LA, especially in the neighborhood that I live in, Silver Lake, lots of gentrification, lots of families just being forced out by like the, the you know, rent going way up and stuff. And in Chicago too, like a lot of the neighborhoods are being heavily, heavily gentrified and just like completely pushing these like black and brown families out of their like homes. And it's really a fucking miserable thing to see. And like in my mind, you know, because I am currently like, you know, I guess considerably like lower income, like as like a starving artist and like, you know, living in this neighborhood, I'm like, well, I'm not contributing to that, but I definitely am. I'm like not Latina. I'm not black. And I'm like living in a, you know, neighborhood that is, you know, home to mostly like Latinx families and stuff. And like, I know that, you know, there's, there's a lot to be done and a lot to be said about, you know, gentrification, redlining, all that. But for like the listener, the reader who like doesn't really know like about that, like, do you have any insight as to how we can be for the cause rather than against the cause? So I feel like I'm all about calling people in as opposed to calling them out. So my suggestion is, and I think that this works for even natives as well, because I feel like we tend to end up in our spaces or what we define as safe in our boundaries and we don't necessarily move outside of that. I feel like we have to actively have conversations where we're telling people to get to know other people's cultures. Like when you move into a community, it's important that you sit down and also that you get to know your new neighbor that just moved in also with you or your roommates that you're going to the bar with. But like, take some time to talk to the older Bala sitting on the corner. Like she might have some insight for you about how things work in the community. Maybe you can run some errands for her and help her out with her existence. I feel like as time is progressing, I see less sense of community. And so I think that's what I would like to see going forward. We all have various backgrounds. Our lived experiences are not all the same, but being that we share these spaces, I think it's important that even if there's a language barrier, religion, whatever the case might be, that you take the time to be like, there are more similarities than differences, and we are all in this together. Mm, yeah, that's huge. Like the, the taking stock of the similarities rather than the differences is something that I've been definitely meditating on in the last couple of years, especially getting sober, like the sobriety community there's I was just reading about this last night there's you know I'm in a room with like a butcher and a baker and a you know engineer and a mechanic and yet we all still have this like common purpose this primary thing of like we all just want to like get better from this like thing that we have in common and spotting the similarities has been a lot easier I think now that I've like grown my faith and like shrunk these like resentments and this like terminal I'm differentness that I had like for so long. I know a lot of people with addiction like struggle with that and just people in general like struggle with that like oh like I'm the most unique person that's ever walked the face of this planet and then you like go on TikTok and your entire for you page is just like oh shit like I have not a single unique experience in this world because like how is everything on my For You page so on point with like whatever it is that I'm like going through in the world right now? You know, whether that's with dating, whether that's with work, whether that's with like politically or 
socially or like, you know, friend group dynamics, etc. It's all just really unity is the word that comes to mind as like this guiding kind of anima mundi, like, you know, energy, this like, we are one, like, accept all, reject none mentality. I feel like when I was younger, like you said, I had that issue of being like, my differences make me stand out and I appreciate that. And like, I'm thankful for my differences, but I've also just had to be like, I need to find ways to make myself more relatable. I think as I'm getting older, I feel like part of the reason why I generally don't talk a lot is because like you said, like I'm like, these experiences are so random. Like how could anyone take away anything from this or care about my experience? But I'm realizing like, if I don't share, I don't know. And if other people don't share their stories, we don't know what's going on to understand and relate to them. So I'm trying to work on that every day. I feel like everyday life is a healing process of me trying to integrate old aspects of myself. I think especially this year, trying to integrate aspects of having a childhood and acting and not really fully appreciating that and how it's gotten me to be the person that I am today. So, mm, Yeah. No, when we were on our most recent Zoom call, I mean, the circumstances that brought us to that Zoom call suck. Absolutely never want that to happen again. Like, but, you know, just all of us being like, yeah, like, when I got back to, like, regular school after shooting, like, I had all these, like, inside jokes from set that, like, nobody else had. And people were just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And having that moment where we all kind of just realized, like, wow, we all had that exact same experience, like, together. And while all of our individual experiences of being on set and then going back and then seeing the success of School of Rock, like, you know, we all do have, like, a lot of shared joy you know and sure shared trauma but like i mean i feel like it's shared joy when i'm around all of you like you're my little forever family like i feel really i always feel really sad when i wrap a project also i I realized this like last week i i had come back to la after being in salt lake city filming this uh this special project uh for the last like you know couple weeks and I got instantly hit with this wave of sadness and I was like, what is this? Like, where is this? Where is little Riv right now? Like, what's, what's she going through? And it's that realization of like, oh, like when I came back from School of Rock, I thought like, this is it. Like, everyone's going to like be obsessed with me and they're all going to want to be my friend. And then when I came back to school, everyone was like, what, you think you're better than us? Cause Chicago public school kids have literally no chill and they're just like so mean (laughs) well like i mean we were all we were all really mean to each other and that was like our love language but like you know it it was just this like built up hope and what i've learned since then of course i did not know this when i was 10 freaking years old but like expectations are premeditated resentments like so when i have this expectation that i'm gonna come back from a project and everything's gonna be like amazing and Everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, I missed you so much. I'm so glad you're back. Tell us all your stories from being on set. And then when that doesn't happen, I've assigned all these like magical qualities to the experience of getting back. And then I get hugely disappointed when they don't turn out to be the way that I thought they were going to. But yeah, no, I, I now know having come back from this most recent gig for the next one, I maybe need to like 
in the days leading up to rap, take extra gentle care of little Riv and, and be extra, you know, mindful of my um, emotions and stuff and taking like inventory and stock of that and just, you know, taking notes on like, okay, so like in the last couple days of shooting, I get all misty and, you know, have that like onslaught of fear of like, I'm going to get back to LA and I'm going to be miserable again. <laughs> and just like, take it easy, you know, just relax, take a pause, you know? I think the thing that I wish that I'd taken away from being on set that like, I needed to in those last couple of days, like you said, taking those moments to look internally I don't think I ever realized how meaningful each and every single one of those bonds that I forged on the set were like to me. I don't think I realized at the time as a child how it affected me going forward and shaped how I am as an adult. And so I think if I were to ever end up on a set again or in general, when I'm in a project, I now I'm trying to focus on making sure I maintain those bonds. Because like I was going through old stuff in my house and I found like postcards from like kids that I like went on auditions where they were like on on set with like and they like lived on the west coast like wherever they lived at and I'm just like I hope you're doing well like I hope that like you had a successful life but I also feel bad because I'm like maybe I should have maintained those connections a little bit better you know life is short we have to always work on maintaining those connections and I think like you said when we were having our conversations about being together as a group and then going back to school I think I had to take stock for a moment. And I think after that last conversation where we shared how going back to school was, I think in some instances, I did feel a little bit of pressure from people around me. But for the most part, I always had really solid friends that supported me. And I think after our conversation, I sent a text message to my group chat and I was just like, I want to thank you for always being there for me, for not judging me, for not ever making me feel like I have to talk about situations that I don't want to talk about because like my friends, my close friends, I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of acquaintances, but my really, really good friends made sure to give me space and to let me talk about things when I feel comfortable. And I realized that not everyone had that opportunity. So that's something that I wish for, for like anyone who is in the entertainment industry, be you a child or a teenager, I hope that you find some like-minded individuals who are both in your field and outside of your field that will just support you for the person that you are. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Ugh, snaps to your friends for having boundaries. Like, that's really cool. That's not something that I have that much experience in. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. To any of my friends who are listening, I love you. And we're, we're all working collectively on our boundaries together. We love it. We love to see growth. Right. Um, <laughs> no, I, it is a virtue. Like, boundaries is, uh, you know, a, especially, I mean, I, I get the sense that you are like a intuitive or maybe like highly sensitive person when it comes to energy. And yeah. the, like, it is a lot because I tend to want to make space for every single friend who's in need at all times and be just so available to everyone and, you know, be ready to, um, ooh, somebody smoked the weed outside, smell it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah that's the beauty of living in silver lake is that i get to just live vicariously through all the um stoners that live next door uh <laughs> but um <laughs> definitely like setting those structures in place for myself has been such a good and like painful experience of being able to be like hey i actually really don't have space to hear venting right now 
Uh, <laughs> like, and it, it feels disgusting to set boundaries for me because I'm just like, no, I just want to help everybody. I want everybody to like feel loved and coddled and cared for uh, all the time. But I can't be people pleasing like that because I am getting too freaking old. That is like simply like that is simply it. Like I'm just getting too old. I don't have the space for all of that all the time. Like definitely sometimes I love a good two hour long like bitch and moan vent session on the phone with like a trusted friend. But like it's not it can't be all day every day. Sometimes I just got to be alone (laughs) with my thoughts. I feel like oh my god like I feel like I didn't always have strong boundaries and I feel like my sense of self-esteem was kind of based on what was going on with people around me and their situations. And then like, I have to think of the Cat Williams quote, it's your self-esteem, how you gonna let somebody else F up your self-esteem. And I had to really just be like, okay, you know what? I love everyone. I will go above and beyond to the moon and back, but I have to do that for myself first. And if I'm getting to the point, like you, you hit the nail on the head, I am horribly introverted i think i at this point in the game do maybe like one social outing a month but it's just because i spent years running around being the social person let me show up you need me i got you and now i need a nap (laughs) and i think it's important for me to take those naps and just to take those moments i used to be a person that like did a five-year plan to just let me stick to the plan and let me live life like this. And I, like you said earlier about expectations leading to resentment, I really just had to sit there and just be like, let me just take every moment as it is and just appreciate it and just go through these experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expectations are premeditated resentments. And also something I heard recently was when I plan, God laughs. Like, <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, I think it's like important to have like a five year loose loose uh, outline of what you maybe want your life to look like. But, you know, me and my my uh, fellow like intuitive business friends, like, you know, we talk a lot about future visioning rather than like setting like a five year plan. And it's just like, okay, but like, five years from now, how do you want to feel rather than like, I have a house in the hills, and I have like, you know, this amount of money in my bank account. And like, I have this husband or wife and this amount of kids and this kind of dog, like setting just the tone for like, no, I want to wake up and and not worry about the number in my Chase account. I want to worry about nothing. And I want to wake up and be able to take a nice long shower and like make breakfast for myself. I guess in five years, I still live alone (laughs) in my future vision. Uh, (laughs) Who knows? You know, I'm open to I'm open to whatever, you know, the HP in the sky has in store for me. But like, yeah, I definitely had to like let go because I I found a notebook from when I was turning 24. Oh, what a sad time. Uh, I was like, (laughs) yeah, 24 was bad. Uh, (laughs) I feel like from like when I finished college, I didn't technically graduate. I kind of just like was done and was like, I'm done. (laughs) I did all my theater classes and no gen eds. And I was just like, I don't really want to go back. (laughs) And once I did that, and then like for the like next four years, until I was 25, really, when I got sober, I was just like, uh, constantly just trying to plan my life out in like every micromanagey way. And I had this list of goals and like all of them seem so tiny and like minuscule compared to like everything that has happened since I turned 24. I'm like, wow, like I really, I mean, well, the one that came true though was that like 
I wanted to, I wanted to get sober. Like, I mean, when I was 24, I knew I had a problem with drinking and I was like, and with drugs and stuff. And I, I had written intentionally, like, you know, I want to stop drinking and doing drugs by the time I'm 30, which I was casting a pretty wide net. And then I did it the next year. And, and it's, it's really interesting that that was like the one thing out of all my, but then all my other goals were like, I want to do improv on a second city boat. And the way that I made like second city and doing professional improv my like entire existence for so long, I was like, man, I like, I wasted a lot of time like putting all of my eggs in that basket only for me to realize that that was absolutely not what I wanted at all. But what I did want, I think, was that sense of community, of being able to make people laugh. And like, I do have that now, like in, in just in a different medium. You know, when you said about looking back at a journal from 24, I, okay, I'm so glad I didn't write any of it down because my God, I would be sitting here right now turning 30. Like you are completely out of control. But like you said, the same thing, I somehow, despite being a hurricane at, at five foot two, just walking around causing chaos and just being all over the place socializing, I still managed to keep like that dedicated five year plan. But like you said, it was micromanaging. It was me trying to have control over every single situation as opposed to just releasing things to the universe. And like, I think I had some goals in terms of sobriety as well, because like when I went to college, I drank and partied and did everything I was in the frat. But I also had to look at why I was doing that. And I mean, like, I lost my mother at 18 when I went to college. And so I spent that, like, 18 to 24 bracket, like, just trying to, quote, unquote, live with my best life and not really thinking about the fact that I was trying to party and drink and just socialize overly to not really address internal issues. 25, something, there's something about 25. There's something about that 24, 25 period that has you just like, you know what? It's not that everything was broken prior to this. It's just that some aspects of this were not functioning in the ways that I can function the best. And mm -hmm. so like, I had to sit down, like I, I went out last weekend. I cut myself off. I am good for that at this point. I don't mind going out and drinking and socializing but I also kind of hate to a certain extent like how that's just the main means of socializing so I need to find some spaces where like I can hang out with people without drinking because I don't want to get to that old point of like yeah okay I don't know what's going to happen or what's going on I don't want to ever be there again so I'm trying to find that balance like I'm not necessarily saying that I'd like to stop I think I've gotten control in a lot of situations and I'm just like, no, I don't need another drink. No, I need to switch to water. Like, no, I need to mom the whole friend group, whatever the case <laughs> be. So like, I'm thankful for that as time has gone by. Now I'm just trying to keep the goal small. I used to do a New Year's resolution list like at the beginning of the year and it would be like 25 items deep so that by the time I hit my birthday in October and I was down to three things, I had actually managed to get one done. Um, I think this year, like, I wanted to focus on, like, learning languages and for, focus on my, like, fluency, but the Duolingo owl is still screaming at me and my Spanish and my Russian is no better. So we will just take it day by day and see what happens. Yeah, I definitely started out 2021 trying to learn Tagalog, which is the native language of the Philippines, or one of the many languages of the Philippines, probably the most common one. And yeah, my little, um, it's, it's not even on Duolingo. I had to like find like a random, like knockoff Duolingo app called Drops to learn Tagalog. 
And okay. I learned a lot of different words for food and I learned how to count. And then I learned some colors, which I haven't retained at all. But no, I, I, <laughs> I know like languages will always be there. And, and luckily there is a lot of overlap between Tagalog and Spanish. So I already am like proficient enough in Spanish where Tagalog is coming more naturally. And also I just think it's like my ancestors spoke it. It makes sense that like I'd kind of be naturally inclined. But no, I always wanted to learn French. I like always wanted to learn French and Italian too. I oh God. I just I love being able to say things in languages that not everybody knows. Right. I mean, I took Russian in kindergarten. So like that's what how I know. I don't know what was going on at my New York City public schools. I think <laughs> it was truly a privilege because like I tested into like every school that I went to. But we had Russian in kindergarten. So that was like my first a second language, I guess, like learning Cyrillic, which was really interesting. And then like I I'm from the Bronx. I think I feel like I have a decent comprehension of Spanish. I just can't fluently speak, but I would like to be able to converse with people in their own dialects and just get to know them. Because I feel like some things don't always translate across language boundaries. I remember like in high school, sometimes my friends would be telling jokes in Spanish and then try to tell a joke in English. And it's like, okay, this doesn't have the same effect. So I'm like, no, I need to learn Spanish so that I can get the joke as well. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's time to ask the other question that I like to ask all my guests, and that is... If the younger version of yourself was standing before you right now, what would you say to him? I've thought about this long and hard on so many occasions because like, I've always been one of those people that like reflects back on life. It's like, I wonder if any of these situations, like if I had made an ultimate decision, what trajectory that would put me on where life would be. But I think ultimately I would have to tell myself to trust my gut. I've known what I've wanted to do with my existence probably since I was like three. Like when I first like sat down and like memorized the subway map and like really started learning about how cities function. I, I did that at three and I think I had so many hobbies and so many other things that I focused on and I let other people distract me like, oh, you should keep acting or, oh, you should stay in engineering or you should do those things. So if I had to say anything to me is stay the course, I'm strong enough, I am wise enough and listening to other people's opinions over your own will only get you caught up. It's not that other people's opinions aren't valid, but if I'm not putting myself first, then I'm doing a disservice myself and I feel like I did that in my younger years I should have been a lot more authentic like I was authentic and I was real at times but I really wish that if I could tell younger me anything just accept you as you are day in and day out and work with it damn okay yes I live for that I live for everything that you just said I love you that's like that's beautiful all of that I am gonna walk with that for the rest of my day where can people find you on the internet People can find me on Instagram. I rarely post, though. You will see, like, one story every two months. Um, But my Instagram handle is coleeast, C-O-L-E-E-A-S-T. It might be an underscore at the start of that, but I will double check on that. Other than that, you can just find me around the way. You might spot me in New York just walking around, chilling. But, yeah, I'm here. I love that. It was so good catching up, and I love you. I love you, too. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Where Are We Now with Rivka Reyes. This show is produced and edited by Rivka Reyes and Tyler Joano. The music is produced by Elise Watman and the graphics are designed by Crystal Cosmos. If you like the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Are We Now Pod. If you really like the show, leave us a review and DM us a screenshot on Instagram at Where Are We Now Pod and I will pull a tarot card for you. I may even give you some tough love. You might need it, honey buddy. If you like the host, oh my God, thank you. You can follow me at Rivka Reyes on Twitter and at Rivka.Reyes on IG and TikTok. This podcast is completely free to listen to, but it is not completely free to make it. So please consider becoming a part of our community on Patreon for early access, ad-free episodes, and more. Patreon.com slash And finally, just know, wherever you are, physically, mentally, and spiritually, you are loved. Get used to it, babe. Get used to it. You're loved. Did you know that? Did you know? Okay, bye. See you next week.